Amen. Praise God. Who said church is boring? Don't know about you, but ever since I got saved, I've been having an awesome time. And so I want to dive straight into the Word of God, if that's okay with you guys. If you could open your Bibles, please, to um, Matthew chapter 2. And we're going to be reading a very short portion of Scripture, verse 1 and 2. Matthew chapter 2, verse 1 and 2. And um, Pastor Pete mentioned you guys are going to be having a Christmas meal very, very soon. And as we lead up to the time of Christmas, this is a, a Scripture... Um, uh, as we come up to Christmas, many of you who have children um, in the school, they'll be doing the nativity plays where they get to do um, all the story and everything like that. And so I want to pick up a little bit um, of that story because we've read it many, many times and we understand it and we know about it. But I want to just pick up a couple of truths um, from that text and then we can uh, be blessed this evening. So let's read. It says, now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. And so as we get into it, there's a book um, that I want to talk a little bit about just to launch this sermon. And it's a book by uh, Gary Chapman, which is called uh, The Five, Lang Five Love Languages. Who's ever read that book before? Or who who's heard of that book before? So I've never read the book, but what I've done is I've read a summary and the book. And what it does is it talks about these different five lang lang love languages of people in a relationship. And one of them is um, acts of service. So that's just doing nice things for your partner, doing nice things for your husband or your wife. Um, another love language that he talks about is uh, quality time, spending time with the other person. The third love language he mentions is receiving gifts. As we lead up to Christmas, that's the one that I like. If you want to speak my love language, give me gifts. Not, not rubbish gifts, I want the expensive ones. Amen. There was a, a, a brother and his wife, they were dedicating their baby. I saw they were dressed in Giorgio Armani. Those are the type of gifts that I want to receive. Amen. So when Christmas time comes, don't be giving me links. No, no, no. Give me the expensive stuff. But that's one of the love languages that it talks about in the book. Uh, for some people, their love language is words of affirmation. Being told, I love you. you, you are special, you are strong, you are smart, you are kind. Affirming the person. And then the last one, um, I don't know why, but husbands seem to love this one, is touch. And so, in this book, what he's saying is, he's saying relationships break down because people don't communicate with the other person in their love language. For example, I said, my love language might be receiving gifts. That's what I like. But my wife, her love language might be acts of service. And so in her mind, because her love language is acts of service, she thinks, ah, my husband would like acts of service too. So she's going to do lots of things for me. Meanwhile, I'm feeling unloved because I want gifts. I don't want acts of service and vice versa. Because I like gifts, I could easily fall into the trap of, because I like gifts, my wife must like gifts. So let me give her lots of expensive gifts. Let me give her a lot of things. And she's feeling unloved. And that's what he's saying in the book. I read about, uh, I heard about um, on the news I was listening about this lady who rung up and um, she was saying that she left her husband. 
And she said the reason she left her husband, her husband was a millionaire, very, very wealthy, successful businessman. But he never spent time with his wife or the kids. Even when they would go on holiday, he would take his work laptop with him. He would forever be taking calls and he wouldn't spend time. She wanted quality time. Yes, he would buy her things. They had multiple houses. They went on multiple holidays, but he wasn't speaking her love language. And so she left him. And so as we segue, because God loves you and I, he speaks to us in a love language that we understand. God speak to us, speaks to us in a way that we would understand because he loves us. In our text, the main text that we read in Matthew chapter 2, verse 1 to 2, it says, it talks about the wise men from the east. Now that word wise is the word magos, which is a magician. But it's not necessarily the way we would think of a magician, the guy that goes abracadabra. But no, what it's talking about when it says magos is it's talking about their philosophers. These were people that were priests. These were people that were astrologers in the East. And astrologers are people that look at and, and, and study the stars. They study the cosmos. And astrologers understand stars. And so, as we read in our text, they saw an extraordinary star, which they understood to be an extraordinary person in Judea. God provided a star for the wise men in the east to follow, because that's what they understand. Likewise, we don't need to turn there for the sake of time, but in Luke chapter 2, verse 9 to 10, it talks about how an angel appears to the shepherds, God provided an angel for the shepherds because as religious people, that's what they understand. They understand the things of God. They understand scriptures. So when God showed up to them in the form of an angel, they can understand that language. And this evening, church, God has done his part. He has spoken to you and I in our language. He even came down to this earth and died on the cross for our sins to bridge the gap. And now he is calling you and I to him. And just like a tennis match, he served and now the ball is in your court. The ball is in my court. And so I want to preach a sermon this evening I've entitled, Come and Seek That the Lord is Good. So let us look firstly at seeking Jesus God speaks to us in a language that we understand and the purpose of that is to draw us closer to him. But to get closer to him, we have to seek him. Hence the message, come and seek that the Lord is good. And so the first question I ask is, who or what are you seeking this evening? Because when you read in the text, when the wise men came, they said, where is he who has been born king of the Jews. There's already a king, King Herod. But the wise men weren't looking for King Herod. They were looking for Jesus. A commentator writes, now one would think these hints should have been taken by the men of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem. And they should with both arms have embraced the long looked for Messiah. But no further notice was taken of him till these wise men came. Oh, the amazing stupidity of these Jews and no less than that of many who are called Christians. See, to the Jewish people, Jesus wasn't king in their lives, so he, they didn't seek after him. It took men all the way from the east to come and seek. 
and show them how important Jesus is. Many scholars who've studied this, uh, they talk about these wise men. They predict that these wise men lived quite far in the east, that to come all the way to Jerusalem, it was a six-month journey. And so if you think about this, it's a one-year round trip to go and see Jesus. These wise men have left their families. They've left their commitments They've left their friends. These were notable people. These were wealthy people. They've left their businesses to travel and go on a pilgrimage six months away. This is not a a time where there's airplanes, cars, trains. These guys have gone on a pilgrimage for six months to come and find Jesus. And they didn't even believe that he was divine. I was talking to someone uh, uh, in, my, in, in our mother church in Derby and they were telling me about another local church in Derby and uh, uh, they, uh, they were telling me about the sound man, very t- uh, talented sound man. He does all of the sound stuff, kind of like what Brother Ronit does at the back here. And, um, and, and, but what was interesting about this sound man is I came to find out or he was telling me that the sound man is not even saved. The sound man is not even a Christian. And so I'm thinking, here you have someone in the church, serving in the church, doing things in the church, but they don't even believe in God. I I went, before I became a pastor, I went and preached in another local church, and um, there was uh, this man who, because the pastor was away preaching somewhere else. So as I go to this place, uh, this this young man, he's the one who uh, had the keys, he opened the doors, let me in, and uh, showed me around. Uh, He basically looked after me while I was there, And again, I get to find out afterwards from the pastor that that man is not even saved. And so the reason I say this is because here you have people who don't even believe in Jesus Christ as the Son of God, as God, serving, doing what Christians should be doing. That's just like the wise men. The wise men were Arabians. They're not Jews. They don't believe in the Messiah, yet they are the ones coming to worship Jesus. And what the commentator before was saying is, woe to you and I when sinners take Jesus more seriously than we do. To be able to do that sound as he's got to be in every service. There are some Christians that cannot make it to every service. Whatever sits on the throne of your heart as king that you will seek after. For many people, cash is king. For many people, relationship is king. I just want a boyfriend. I just want a, I just want a girlfriend. Acceptance is king. Fame is king. For some, power is king. Youth is king. But I have come to tell you, church, that you need to come and seek that the Lord is good. So let's look at seeking because seeking is bleeding. Seeking takes bleeding. When I was younger, I watched a, 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 a movie called Blood Diamond. Um, and in this movie, basically what's happening is there's these two people. The plot is there's these two people. There's a, a, an African man, uh, and, and it's in Congo because Congo is uh, uh, rich with diamonds and gold and minerals. Amen. Praise God. Some Congolese in the house. Amen. And so in this, uh, in this movie, you've got this, 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 I think he's a fisherman, this African man in Congo. But these, these rebels come and they basically raid the whole village and the town and they take his family. And then there's another man who's um, um, seeking wealth. And somehow these two, this white man and this African man, they come together and they, they hear about this special gem 
in Congo. And basically what happens is they spend the whole movie trying to find this diamond. But it's very risky because there's a lot of bloodshed around these diamonds. There's a lot of uh, uh, civil wars going on to try and take control of the land. But here's the point. Because the diamond has extreme value and the power to transform their lives, they were willing to do whatever it took to grab a hold of this gem. And Jesus is all of the above. Jesus has extreme value and Jesus has the power to transform your life and my life. And we must do whatever it takes to seek Jesus. Seeking is bleeding. Seeking is urgent. In verse 1 of our text, it said, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem. The land is called Arabia. So we're talking about Khabibi and Neman. They could have said, if such an important king has been born, surely his fame will reach our country in Arabia and then we'll go and pay homage to this king. Just like the Queen of Sheba in the Bible, you hear about King Solomon in all of his glory and all of his fame. Queen of Sheba came to see him. Not too recently, um, um, the, the late queen passed away, but many world leaders from around the world will come to see the queen in all of her glory. And as soon as they heard about this king, they immediately left to go and find the king. And so seeking is urgent. We have to stop procrastinating and start seeking after Jesus right now. Seeking requires determination. The wise men asked door to door, where is the king of the Jews? And what's embarrassing is the local Jews didn't know. But these wise men didn't give up. They asked around so much that the news even got to King Herod. So imagine these wise men from Arabia have come on a six-month journey. They're knocking on each door. Where is this Jesus, king of the Jews? The local Jews? I don't know. Okay, fine. Let me go to the next door. Where is Jesus, king of the Jews? Don't know. Next door, where is, they were asking around. After the first one, they could have said, well, if these guys don't even know, it can't be that important, let's go home. But they were so determined, they kept on asking that news got to King Herod. And when they searched, they searched as hard as they could. But I want us to turn in our main text in Matthew chapter two. I want us to read verse nine. I want us to read verse nine. Because in verse 1 and 2, it said that they saw a star. And the star brought them all the way to Jerusalem, the area. But it didn't bring them to the door of where Jesus was. Hence, they had to ask, where is Jesus, King of the Jews? But when you read from verse 9, they searched as hard as they could naturally. It says, when they heard the king... They departed, and behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. And so what's happening here is when you've done all you can in your power to find Jesus and you've been unsuccessful, God will help you in a supernatural way to be able to find Jesus. And the question tonight is, have you stopped seeking? Are you tired in your faith? Are you frustrated? 
Are you sick and tired of being sick and tired? Because the good news is, is keep on keeping on because the Lord of hosts is going to intervene and he's going to make a way for you to find him. That when you're seeking after Jesus and you can't find him, supernaturally God will allow you to be able to find Jesus. Many times we fall short of the blessings of God because our faith runs out. If people only knew how close they were to achieving a blessing, you might be one prayer away from a blessing. You might be one prayer away from a healing. You might be one prayer meeting away from an encounter with Jesus. Don't give up seeking. And God is so gracious that even when you don't seek properly, he will still help you. I think about my brother. I grew up uh, in a Christian household, in a Christian family. And we used to go to church, not because we wanted to, but because my mom and dad forced us to. <laughs> but it got to a stage for my oldest brother when he was now uh, around, somewhere between 18 to 21, around that age, where he was now old enough to make decisions for himself. And he said, I'm sick and tired of this whole church thing. And he said a prayer. He said to God, God, if you're real, show yourself to me. Otherwise, I'm leaving church for good and I'm going to do what I want to do. Now, how many know that's a bad way of seeking God? It's like, you're, who are you to give God an ultimatum? Like, like God, cre thank God I'm not God. Because if I created you and now you're going to say to me, if you're God, show me, I might just... <laughs> You may just no longer exist anymore. Just write you out of history. But God didn't do that. God is so gracious. So my brother used to work in Lidl in a place called Utoxta. And one time as he's driving to work on the, uh, I think it's the A50, that's it. He's driving to work on the A50 local road. Um, it's like a dual carriageway. He's driving his BMW. There was no pothole, no other cars in sight. And all of a sudden, his car flipped over. It went over the rails and it, uh, it tumbled, flipped, flipped it about three times and it ended up upside down on the field as he was driving. And then um, the ambulance came, people came. They, they, they had to cut the car to pull my brother out. And then they pulled him out. They took him to the hospital, checked him out. There was not one single scratch on him, not one single bruise. Now me, all it takes, sometimes I go to sleep funny and I wake up with a bad neck. I injure myself while sleeping. This guy, he's driving at least 70, and no, knowing my brother, is this recorded? Because I don't, I don't want to get him in trouble. Okay, what happens in here stays in here, we're family. He's, he, he let's, let's say this way, he, um, let me think. Okay, he's, uh, he's flexible with the speed limit. So I don't think he was driving within the limits. And for the car to flip over and nothing happens, but that was God showing him that if you seek after me, I will show myself to you. Come and seek that the Lord is good. And then after seeking Jesus, you will find him. And when you find him, you need to serve him. So let's look at finding Jesus. If you could turn to your Bibles or on the screen to Matthew chapter 7, verse number 7. Matthew chapter 7, verse 7. Very simple. Ask and it will be given to you. Now here's the bit I want to focus on. Seek and you will find. If you really want Jesus, you will find him. And when you find Jesus, you need to serve him. If we go back to our main text in Matthew chapter 2, verse number 2, it said, 
For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. The wise men came solely to give reverence to Jesus. Their aim was to give to God, not to take from God. Their aim was to bless God, not treat him like a sugar daddy. I know this does not happen in Hull, but in, in Derby, and I'm sure no doubt in Manchester, there are some people that come to church simply for what they can get from God. They have no intention of giving or serving. And the question is, why do you and I seek God this evening? Do we ever seek God to bless God? Do we ever seek God to please Him, to obey Him, to worship Him, to serve Him? That is what they came to do. It says, we have come to worship Him. They brought their own valuable gifts to serve Jesus. They brought gold, frankincense and myrrh. What gifts do you have this evening? Can you make yourself available to serve Jesus with your gifts? Ministry is service. When you're ministering, you're serving Jesus. When you're singing up on the stage or playing the bass or playing the piano or cleaning up or tidying up or doing the, the children's ministry or back on the... You're serving Jesus with your gifts. And if you're struggling to think, oh, what is my gifting? What is my gifting? You can, well, number one, you can ask God and God will help you find your gifting. But you can also bring a good attitude. That is also a gift. I remember uh, not too long ago, um, I think it was now, uh, is it two years ago, Pastor, that you, that, you, that you came here? Okay, so two years ago, uh, Pastor Pete, he was in the local church in Derby, and he was sent here to take over this church. And um, um, my wife can testify to this. Uh, Pastor Pete was very, very instrumental in our church in Derby. He, he won't tell you this, but I can tell you this. He was very instrumental. A lot of the things that w went on, Pastor Pete behind the scenes was making it happen. And he was our praise and worship leader. He used to play the bass. He did an awesome job on the bass. But now as he was, as he was leaving, we, we found ourselves in a situation where now we've got no uh, bass player. And so um, there, there, there's, a, there's a, a, a brother in our church that he doesn't play, uh, well, at the time I didn't, knew he'd play anything but he doesn't play any instruments so I asked him okay are you willing to learn the bass and he says yes I'll be willing to learn the bass he had a good attitude yeah, and so he started learning and even now he started playing the bass he plays in services and he's doing a good thing but afterwards I come to find out that this young man that he can play the drums and so afterwards I'm saying wait hold on a minute why didn't you ever tell me that you can play the drums because we need a drummer too but um, all this time you've been keeping that and he said well I can play the drums but you came to me and you said there's a need for the bass and so I thought let me fill where there is a need he came with a good attitude he comes with a good attitude that is serving Jesus because you've got to seek God but when you find him you've got to serve him serving Jesus is serving others in Matthew chapter 25, verse 34 to 40, we don't need to turn there, but it talks about um, 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 when you perform acts of kindness to other people, you are doing it to Jesus. One of the signs that someone has found Jesus is they want to bless other people. 
I remember going home um, in Derby to go visit my mum. Um, and I went to go see my mum, just hang out with her a little bit. And um, I smelt some, some good food in the kitchen. So I wander into the kitchen and there is some puff puffs. And so I'm looking at the puff puffs. My mum doesn't normally make puff puffs. I said, oh, mum, did you make those? She goes, no, um, uh, Sister Hazel uh, came round the other day. She, she thought of me. She made some puff puffs and she delivered them to me. And that bit, I, I can't lie. I was a bit upset and jealous because it put me to shame a little bit. Um, my own mum, I'm not giving her anything, but another sister who is not related to my mum, she just thought of my mum. My mum doesn't even come to our church, but she just thought of my mum and she said, I want to bless this lady. And she cooked this food and took it to my mum's house. Because one of the signs that someone has found Jesus is they want to bless others. When was the last time you did something nice for someone? Serving Jesus has the boomerang effect. Who knows what a boomerang is? A boomerang is that thing that you throw it and then somehow it finds its way and comes back to you. But to have the fun and the enjoyment, you've got to release it first for it to come back to you. That's how you get the fun. And serving Jesus is what I call the boomerang effect. As you serve him, you serve yourself. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 3 and 4, it says... Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind. Let each esteem others better than himself. Verse 4. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. See, I wish I read this scripture when I was a kid, and this is where I messed up. Because I remember one time when I was growing up, right? Um, it was coming up to Christmas. And so my cousin came from Zimbabwe and he's hanging around us. And so what my parents did is they said to me, um, we're of similar age. Uh, so they said to me, okay, your cousin's here. We want to also give him a Christmas present. But we don't, we're not down with the kids. So you go to the shop with your brother, um, find a pair of uh, football boots um, that you would like, I guess. And then, um, then we'll know that if you like it, he's probably going to like it. And then we'll get him that as a gift. And when they said that to me, I didn't have this scripture in my mind. And so I'm getting a bit jealous and upset because I'm thinking, hold on a minute. I'm about 10 years old, so you can forgive me. But I'm thinking, what are you doing buying my cousin a Christmas gift? I want Christmas gifts. And so jealousy began to creep. And I'm thinking, there is no way if they're going to buy him a, a pair of boots, I'm going to get him a nice pair. So I went to the shop with my brother. We're looking in Sports Director, the football boots, and then there's the section of the, there's, there's the like the real ones, they're the ones that are over 100 pounds, Nike, Tiempo, and then there's the other section with the um, uh, not so nice ones, let's put it that way. And so I found the ugliest pair of football boots that I could find, and I said, yeah, he'll like those ones. There ain't no way you're going to have better football boots than me. No, not having it. And so Christmas time comes now. And um, everybody, uh, I'm excited for Christmas. I'm like a kid. I, I don't even sleep at Christmas, right? So Christmas comes, everyone's opening their gift. And what we do in our family is like everyone opens their gift one by one and you get to see. So I'm making sure I wait till last so everyone can see my present, yeah? You need to see what I'm getting. It's all about me. Never mind Christmas is about Jesus. No, no, no. It's about me. So we get to my present now and I've got like a box-like figure. And so I start unwrapping it. And then I open the box and it's the ugly pair of shoes that I chose. Whoever's clapping is wicked. 
basically what my parents were trying to do, they were trying to surprise me. They thought, how can we trick him into choosing something he would like so we can give it to him? They had no intention of giving my cousin uh, uh, any football boots. He's, he's a millionaire. They're blessed. They're all right. But because of my jealousy, because I didn't pay attention to this scripture, I ended up with that ugly pair of boots. And that's why I never made it as a footballer. That is why. But here's the point, church. As you give to Jesus, he gives back to you. As you serve Jesus, you're blessing yourself. I remember times when me and my wife, we first got married. And times were harder then. Um, we, we were both working, but we were both on low incomes. And things were hard. And my wife is amazing. Um, I wasn't bringing in a lot of money then, so she had to be very industrious with the food. We used to have mints all the time. Mints on a Monday, mints on a Tuesday, mints on a Wednesday. It's not her fault, it's just that I couldn't afford anything more than that. And so my wife, being the wonderful woman she is, Monday will have garlic mints. Tuesday, she, she does barbecue mints. Wednesday, she does, uh, I don't know, she, she, I, I was sick and tired of mints. Like, even now, I have, I have nightmares about mints. Mints chasing me. No, 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 no. But even in that hard time where we didn't have a lot of money, we continued to give into the kingdom of God. We didn't have a lot, but we continued to give. We gave money, we gave tithes, we gave offerings, we gave pledges. And God has begun to bless us. And as we continue to give to God, he gave back to us more and more. God gave me promotion after promotion and better job after better job. And he blessed my wife with a better job and a better job to a place now where we're blessed. And instead of eating mince, 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 now we can afford rice and mince. I remember times when I was in university and I felt condemned, but I gave God praise and he gave me back peace. As you give to God, you give to yourself. And so we've talked about seeking after Jesus. Then when you find him, you've got to serve him. But lastly, let us look at Jesus' acceptance. Because not serving Jesus is denying Jesus. Matthew chapter 10 Verse number 33. But whoever denies me before men, him I will also deny before my Father who is in heaven. And you know, the opposite is also true. Those who serve Jesus will be accepted by him. Let's go to Matthew chapter 25, verse 21, looking at Jesus' acceptance. His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. It is because you are a servant that you are accepted into the kingdom of God. I read an article from the American Psychological Association and it said this, rejection has serious implications for an individual's psychological state and for society in general. Social rejection can influence emotion, cognition, and even physical health. Ostracized people sometimes become aggressive and can turn to violence. In 2003, Leary and colleagues analyzed 15 cases of school shooters and found all but two suffered from social rejection. Because rejection 
causes damage. But acceptance from people is important. And acceptance from God is most important. See, when God accepts you, that gives you confidence. That gives you freedom. That gives you boldness. That when you, when you are a servant of Jesus and Jesus accepts you, anyone can say anything. It means nothing. It falls to the ground because I am accepted by God. That God can see you and say, I accept you. I, who am God of the universe, I accept you. I believe in you. I love you. I receive you. And acceptance leads to freedom. I remember growing up in school, um, I struggled to be myself because the school that I went to was predominantly Caucasian and so um, I didn't quite find myself fitting in. Um, But whenever I came home where my family was, where they understand me and where they accepted me, I was free. But whenever I went to school, because I, I didn't, it's not that I wasn't accepted. I just, I just didn't feel part of the group because it just wasn't the same. Like my friends would say, um, oh, what did you have for tea last night? I thought tea was when you drink a cup of tea. I didn't know that tea is dinner. I still don't understand why they call it tea. But anyway, when they would say, oh, what did you have for tea last night? I can't say to my friends, oh, yeah, I had sadza, nyama, muriwo. They don't know what that is. And so I'd, I'd find myself trying to just squeeze and fit in, and it just didn't feel right. It's like I was living in a box. But whenever I was home, I can be me. And that gave me the freedom to excel. And that allowed me to flourish whenever I was at home. And that's what gave me the confidence to deal with the outside world. When you are accepted by God, it allows you to be secure in yourself. When you know who you are in Christ, you can be comfortable in your own skin. And that releases you to be the man or woman that God has called you to be. Acceptance from God is crucial. It's the foundation and it sets you up to do what God has called you to do. When you feel accepted by God, as pastor priest, you're going to have outreach very soon on a, on a Saturday. You can go on the street corner of Hull and people can call you a Bible basher. They can laugh at you. They can make fun of you. You believe in that Jesus stuff and you won't be phased. You are accepted. You know who you are. You don't have to try and be a chameleon, uh, fit in with this crowd, fit in with that crowd. I am who I am and Jesus loves me. And when you are accepted by God, you are free to achieve the destiny that God has called you to achieve. God has a plan for every single person in this room this evening. God has, he didn't, he, he didn't create you just for the fun of it. When he created you, he had a purpose and a plan in mind for your life. All you have to do is seek him. And when you find him, you serve him. With that serving comes a blessing. And as you serve him, he will accept you. And with that said, can I just have every head bowed, every eye closed? Amen. Amen. Praise God. Praise God.